morning, everybody. This is Coast to Coast Football. My name is Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. That's me on this side. This guy over here on this side, that's Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle, so he's up bright and early with us. But that's why we are Coast to Coast with your football coverage. And it was an exciting night. I'm kind of fired up, Nick. But between talking NFL draft, mm-hmm. Cowboys Seahawks last night was a hell of a game. And, and we're really getting into the nitty-gritty of the playoff race here that I'm kind of excited to talk about some of those things today. Yeah, is my uh, how's my Dak MVP agenda looking right now? I mean, he's been playing really amazing quarterbacking last night all around. Uh, Geno Smith had some unbelievable high-level, like Matt Stafford-esque throws in terms of the arm talent in the windows. And Dak Prescott is probably playing the quarterback position as efficiently as anybody in the NFL right now. And it's not efficiency where it's through the running game or tricks or anything else like he is the offense it's I I think I've said it on this show before Scott Um, he's not Peyton Manning but as far as the mental pre and post game stuff that's on his plate that he has to execute uh, it is a Peyton Manning-esque style uh, offense for the Cowboys with Dak Dak Prescott so yeah Dak is impressing the heck out of me and uh, right now he'd be my vote for the MVP if the season ended. And he's got some weapons. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. it, it is. He's the maestro. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's the one doing those things. And and you mentioned, you know, the processing. We that's it's hard to quantify that. It's almost it's almost impossible to quantify it, actually, which which makes scouting the quarterback position so hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching him drop back and go through four reads at the snap of a fingers dot 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 and then come back to four and then bang and 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 he's getting time so the dallas cowboys are playing really well um the seattle seahawks look good they're they're not out of this thing i know there's they've come on some hard times their schedule is brutal i think that's part of the problem but uh Mm -hmm. they're they they played well last night um so yes and and dak was asked about you know hey you've you faced a lot of criticism now you're getting MVP talk. How's that feel to you? And he had a really good answer that that will be on my uh, Facebook page later today. And just to um, go over some of the data, like where he's at. Um, I know I like a lot of the advanced analytics, but it needs to match the film test as well. And he is mm-hmm. pretty much second across the board in most of the advanced analytics that are considered uh, a value um, when, in, when assessing these guys. So passer rating, I mean, that's a little archaic, but he's second behind Brock Purdy. His a uh, a and Y over A uh, is fourth uh, behind Purdy, Tua, Stroud, and Prescott. And uh, QBR and EPA, he's both second behind Purdy. And when you look at the delineation of where the EPA and this is coming from, the San Francisco 49ers, they separate based on weapons. The 49ers like have almost three times as much EPA gained from weapons than any other team in the NFL. So that's feeding into Purdy, obviously, where you're not getting that as much from right. Dak and the Cowboys. So he's... The statistics need to be married with the film study, and Dak for me right now is probably playing the uh, the best football. Now, it is the Cowboys, so are they going to choke down the stretch here? And maybe Jalen Hurts takes it, or who knows? Possible, because again, Cowboys like the Cowboy. I guess uh, everybody loves them until they blow it. But uh, Dak is playing unbelievable football, and uh, yeah, he uh, he deserves it. He seems like a great guy as well. Yeah, that was fun to watch. Listen, we go live on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays on these channels at 9 a.m. because we like having an interaction with the fans. Uh, we're at youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy, Scott Kennedy Sports on Facebook, and then All Falcons ATL on Facebook. So, uh, you know, we're touching between the three sites, about 35,000 followers or stuff because of people like you and because of people like John Harrell coming. He says, good morning and happy Friday. Now, his next take on this one, on, made me cringe a little bit, Nick. I'm going to have to say. And I'm not sure why John says this. You're going to have to clarify. He says, but I'm getting Mitch Trubisky vibe from Drake May. Phew! 
No, not me, man. I see so much more talent, so much more arm talent. It's not even close to me. Mitch Trubisky to me is just was kind of a guy. I was surprised he was drafted that high. He was a system quarterback when I scouted him in high school. I was doing high school recruiting then. I think his dad was the coach, and he threw for a bazillion yards. Good quarterback, but not this Drake May's elite when it comes to tools, as far as I'm concerned. Drake May plays a lot more physically. Um, he is as about as advanced as somebody who has the physical gifts as he has within the pocket and understanding spacing within the pocket while still putting himself in a position to throw and go through his reads as a college quarterback. I can remember probably since oh, I guess Trevor Lawrence had some of that too. Um, but that's one that's kind of built like that uh, where, you know, you have the athlete, but he's looking to play and he's really good within the pocket. Um, and also much more full field reads. I mean, you looked at the spray chart, even go back to North Carolina, but some of that is offense, but at the pro level, Mitch Trubisky didn't evolve beyond the, you know, one side of the field, constantly peppering it because he had struggles on both sides. You're just seeing Drake may survey the whole field, deliver catchable footballs through the whole field. I don't think they are uh, similar players personally, other than wearing the same helmet. Um, and I know sometimes the aesthetic there can do that, but I don't see stylistically uh, similar players. Yeah. So I, it, like, as far as prospects go, now it may just be, listen, I don't, I don't think he's going to be that guy in, in the NFL. Okay. That's fine. It, typically if you're going to bet, on a player, bet against them. More of them fail than make it. It's just yep. the way it goes. Um, Michael Renquio coming in. Good to see you. He's coming in from Tucson, Arizona. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on Coast to Coast Football. Good morning to you. And Zach Powers. Good morning. Greg Elrod coming in. He says, morning, guys. Starting the day with my favorite sports program. Well, that's flattering. Hope Nick is feeling better. He looks better. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing better. Yeah, the other day, just... So much going on. I didn't get to bed. Probably got four hours and woke up with just a splitting uh, headache. So uh, feeling much better now. Um, it's still busy, busy as heck with a lot going on. But uh, you not feel good. have to spend an hour with me if you've got a headache. That's a promise. I'm I'm a lot to take. Yeah, and I'm excited for the uh, all the college football uh, conference games this weekend too. So hype. It's it's the it's a good time of year. It's sad because it means things are coming to a close. Uh, but uh, you know, still a lot of fun. Roger Cooks, good to see you. Thanks for checking in on Twitter. Glad you've been watching. Leave us a comment. Um, you know, uh, when you're you watch after the fact on YouTube, I'm gonna answer those questions. Um, I can't help it, you know, unless you're just a jerk, which I know you're not, then I'll probably just either mute you or ban you. Cause hey, if you don't want to take us seriously, we don't need to take you seriously. It's there, there's no right for that. Harry Marshall Wood coming in on Facebook. Good to see you. He says good morning, gentlemen, to you as well. Dom, we know Dom's getting excited for some weekend football. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott, Falcons Nation, Dog Nation, and Broncos country. SEC championship game is upon us. Dog Nation, let's go. Brad Clark, he's a Falcons fan, pretty happy. Um, Denver Luke, good to see you. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott. I'm heading down to Vegas to watch my Ducks. Should be a good game. I didn't realize they finally got a neutral site for those games. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, it's good. That'll be uh, – and that should be – this should be – now, I may – I could be wrong on this. This should be the biggest, most important, most watched Pac-12 championship game in history. I think it is. Uh, and also the last Pac-12 game Go out with a bang. in history. So, uh, yeah, exactly. That's It's going to be an awesome one. I do think that it is essentially a quarterfinal for the playoffs as well. I think whoever, given what the committee has been doing with Oregon, I think that whoever wins that game uh, probably is. I mean, obviously, if Washington wins, they're in because they'll be an undefeated uh, team without their quarterback being injured for 
knock on wood because Penix history. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, if Oregon wins, I think they'll be in too. But man, we have a chance for absolute chaos with the win. playoffs. If Georgia <laughs> wins, yeah, I mean, it, it the- calms down. It comes down a lot, but again, you know, it, it ends up being. Um, you've watched The Princess Bride, right? You you have oh, yeah. had to have watched The Princess. Yes. Okay, it, it, yeah. I always, you know, it comes down to the well. Clearly, I cannot choose the cup in front of you, and clearly, I cannot choose the cup in front of me, and that that's how it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've always said, the more you expand the qualifications to get in and go from two to four, four to eight, you basically double the amount of teams every time that have a legit argument to get in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the more selective it is, the harder it is. So if you make it to four, yeah, it's going to be harder to pick because you're going to have five through 10 that have arguments to a certain extent to get in. When you go to 12, the guys that you pick 10, 11, and 12, 13 through 25 are going to have similar arguments for it. So this I one agree this with will you. be tough. I agree with you to an extent. I think the issue this year is that it's not four through eight. That is an argument. As far as who can win, it's like one through eight. Like it's really like the eighth place team. Like Alabama, I think is ranked eight right now. They very much could be the best. They have the best defense in college football, and Jalen Milrow is playing unbelievable football. So typically, I mean, when it's like the I'm last guys, it's like teams that aren't in. If you pick yes. four, then five through eight have yes. arguments to go with that are closer to. You know, mm-hmm. again, if I choose choose two, I probably don't have five more teams that have a good argument. If I'm choosing four, I could probably find five more teams that have a pretty good argument. Yeah, and the the real kicker this year is that I think the committee would put in, let's say Alabama wins, I think they'd love to put in Alabama, Georgia, probably Michigan because they're going to kill Iowa. I'm just going to keep saying that because I have the realistic. Uh, and then the winner of the Pac-12. But, like, can you leave Texas out who only lost, like, a last-minute game against Steve Oklahoma? Sarkeesian? Yes, I can. I they saw beat. how he acted at his last postseason game, and yeah. uh, he can stay home. Well, Starkeesian aside, just on the field, uh, <laughs> they beat Alabama on the road by ten points. Those games have to matter, right? Like if you if you take Alabama and, or Georgia and leave Texas out when Texas has the head to head over Bama, then why even play those juicy early season games? Because they're not they don't they don't count them. They don't. Well, you're not the same team anymore. You well, okay. have just described my disdain for playoffs since I was a little, little boy. Yes. Um, but but they, since they started changing to 14 and 15 games, I see it now. But when you used to play 11, mm-hmm. you know, and it was mostly conference games. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to play off. I, uh, I was totally against it. Yep. And you know, that was before I knew that, you know, the biggest sport in the world doesn't do a playoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, everybody else does playoffs. Well, not, not uh not international soccer they don't do playoffs you know but they also don't expand to 70 teams in one division so that nobody they play everybody plays twice home and home whoever has the most points at the end of the season wins that's fair (laughs) there's no beauty contest there's no power rankings there's none of that bs yeah it's it's settled on the field yeah. Uh, literally, um, Rusty Moore comes in. I love it. He says May to the A. And yes, I don't care what it costs because it'll probably cost three first round picks and then some yeah. sick of old Matt Ryan, garbage Mariota and garbage Justin Ritter. Say it with me. May to the A. Um, before we get into the, we won't spend too much time on this because I, I do want to talk a lot of, uh, Dane Brugler's mock draft, yeah. but I want to talk, uh, 
playoff matchups and, and how it looks. Uh, ESPN's got a pretty cool playoff machine that lets you just go ahead and pick all the games and see what difference it makes. Um, what's interesting is Nick and I did a, a podcast yesterday on Broncos for Breakfast, and we had the discussion, is this a must-win game for the Denver Broncos or the Houston Texans? And I argued no, because I thought 11 and six, they both have five losses. 11 and six would get you in. You know what happened when I ran through every single game remaining on the schedule and then switched the winner and loser of Denver Broncos and Houston Texans? Nothing. The winner of that game made the playoffs. The loser did not. It's a big game, Scott. I mean, just from all the... the tiebreakers because it's the head-to-head and the conference stuff and there's just no offense to the nfc but let's be real uh the top of the nfc is amazing but like the middle class is not great like the drop off from the first five through the rest of it uh is not ideal i guess even sorry the first four i guess atlanta probably nfc south shouldn't be included there even though they have a seed that's higher uh no, but, go, but but then you, you bring in the dallas cowboys yes yeah exactly but yeah, i was just a lower at the seed because they're they're not a division yeah, winner but exactly they're one of the top four yeah. in the yes and falcons are not despite their seed being in the top four uh right now but uh yeah the a- afc just is such a mess uh with good-ish teams mediocre to good like steelers are right there we'll see what happens with the browns down the stretch the steeler uh, the colts also the steelers and colts have like two of the easiest schedules in the afc as well so even though you might not like the offense the quarterback upside of those teams they are playing just as easy as it gets down the stretch, unless they're you're in the NFC South. And uh, then you have, of course, the, uh, the Texans are right out. The bills have like the hardest schedule in the NFL, but like, I don't know. It's still really hard to discount them considering how talented they are. Um, and like the games they've lost have been just hair pulling type of games. A lot of them as well. So uh, yeah, the AFC is just who gets in that five through seven seed is going to be a bloodbath. Here's how I had it in the NFC. I had the Falcons winning the, uh, well, we'll just start at the top. I had the the Philadelphia Eagles, the number one seed, 15 and two. Uh, I have the LA Rams sneaking in at nine and eight, going against the number two seed, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the third seed, Detroit, and I must really like their schedule because I've got them finishing 13 and four, mm-hmm. um, going against Green Bay Packers at mm-hmm. nine and eight. Uh, and then the fifth seed at 12 and five with the third best record, the Dallas Cowboys playing in the dome against the 10 and seven Atlanta Falcons. On the other side, I had uh, Kansas City Chiefs, number one. I must really like the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule, too, because I had them at 14 and three, and I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, going against the 10 and seven, who beats out the Broncos at 10 and seven if they lose to Houston this week. And then the sixth seed, Pittsburgh. They, I remember thinking Pittsburgh had a lot of coin toss games, but I kind of leaned to Pittsburgh every time. Um, but I had them going against the Miami Dolphins. And then the 5 6 seed was the five seed was Houston at Baltimore. And if Denver beat Houston this weekend, it was Denver at Baltimore instead. So, yes, this is a huge game with playoff implications for two pretty fun teams. Um, you know, and cause that leaves out if I'm looking at, uh, if I'm looking at this and this is just NFL.com, I'm sorry, it's ESPN.com slash NFL slash playoffs slash machine. It's buried way under their menus and it's pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. 
but that leaves out again. I think Minnesota falls off, you know, after a, a nice stretch. Uh, the Giants and, and uh, Commanders are terrible. I have I had Seattle finishing nine and eight and just missing out based on tiebreakers. Um, New Orleans uh, had them finishing nine and eight and missing out on tiebreakers. And then um, I have the Colts in. So why aren't they in? That that's not highlighted. That's a little strange. And then Denver misses out at ten and seven to the Colts based on tiebreakers. Yeah. Uh, is how that that stood up. And speaking of uh, tiebreakers here coming in and making oh, yeah. sure you jump right to the front of the queue. Rattlesnake Master, that is a very interesting name. Really excited to hear you guys talk draft. Much more excited this year since the Broncos actually have a first-round pick. Much love from Nebraska. Thank you, sir. And and yes, when you stink and don't have your first-round pick, it sucks. Last year was a pretty miserable year for the Denver Broncos. This year should be much more. This year is much more fun. Yeah, I mean, luckily they did have a first-round pick after the uh, the Bradley Chubb trade, which ends up going to Sean Payton, which right now looks like a phenomenal move uh, for the Broncos, considering what they're doing. And uh, we kind of talked about it on Tuesday, Scott, with the article from uh, Mike Sando talking about how defensive coaches are just blown away with how simplified what Sean Payton is calling for Russ and the fact that it's actually working. I heard uh, James Palmer also talk about it uh, the other day uh, as well. So defensive coaches and people in the league are not super impressed uh, with what Russell Wilson is doing. They, they, I think they're putting a lot more credit on Sean Payton than Russell Wilson, but uh, he's executing. So I don't know. I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel on that. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Rattlesnake Master from Nebraska. And uh, we'll have a chance to talk about Dane Brugler's uh, mock draft today, who is one of the best in the business in my opinion definitely you know it's still youngish up and coming guy he's not been in the league for or covering forever but uh really does a great job his beast is like the draft puts bible in the work, man he absolutely puts in the work yeah i mean i was heard him i was talking i heard him talking the other day and uh, he was like mentioning like oh yeah i was talking to this prospect's mom and, you know getting information so like he's like he's digging right he's almost like a private investigator with some of the background stuff that he gets on these guys so uh he's pretty awesome and also shout out to him because he's a good guy uh which mm-hmm. always helps he does not take himself too seriously he's a pretty humble hard worker so dane brugler real guy just like us we we don't take ourselves too seriously and uh you know again when we're in the business of predicting the future which i just did with the playoffs yeah i'm gonna be wrong i promise you i'm gonna be wrong when we're starting when we talk nfl draft prospects i'm gonna be wrong absolutely it's mm-hmm. impossible the only way to not be wrong in that business is to not make any predictions well what fun is that it's not any fun um but we will be honest and we will be thorough and frankly we're better than most uh i might be biased doesn't mean i'm wrong and rattlesnake master appreciate you coming in with support for the show it 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 really it encourages us to keep doing more stuff like this that's for sure so thank Mm. you thank you sir and uh and yes having a first round pick and a playoff run it's good times in broncos country right now for sure Let's uh, Red Swarm coming in. Says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Good to be here with you, brothers. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you being here. Let's go, Brandon. He's sitting, he's in here. He says, good morning, gentlemen. Oh, let's see who else we see. And then uh Brennan, he's not, he's 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 a little chippy about the uh about Georgia Bulldogs for some reason. Hey, the Georgia Bulldogs are uh they're feeling it right now. They they, they get the right to to stand up on the front porch and bark right now. 24 wins in a row. Scott, you got a little bloody nose there going, buddy. Oh, is it uh, bleeding? Yep. Wow. Uh, let me let me jump out right back. I just I thought right. it was running. It's it's like twenty percent humidity here right okay. now. My wife yeah. said she started getting one yesterday too. So uh, I'll be right back. You carry this one. Real okay. Quick. Yeah. Uh, I who surprised you the most and why? 
Yeah, uh, that's all good. So which team has surprised me the most this season and why? It's probably got to be the Houston Texans, right, guys? Uh, Houston has been uh, right in the thick of the playoffs. Uh, They've been an absolutely disaster of an organization the last few seasons. They controversially, uh, somewhat controversially, trade up to take a non-quarterback, giving up a future first-round pick to Will Anderson. And uh, the fact that they, let's just call it as it is, based on uh, Houston insider John McClain, uh, saying that they would have taken Bryce Young if they had the first pick or the option over any quarterback. Uh, the fact that C.J. Stroud then goes two, and by fate, uh, they don't take Bryce Young, uh, who's, you know, still, um, we shouldn't write out Bryce Young yet, but that's a different conversation. Uh, but C.J. Stroud, man, playing incredible. Um, I've talked about it on here. His playing style is reminiscent to me of a good Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, why, why is that, Nick? Aaron Rodgers is kind of a you know, lanky guy, uh, good athlete in the pocket, but not really, you know, a true like Cam Newton style runner, but he's a good scrambler, right? And can especially scrambling and using athleticism to extend plays. And the big thing that reminds me of uh, Aaron Rodgers, CJ Stroud is the physical or excuse me, the aggressive nature of pushing the ball vertically. Uh, the Houston Texans are number one in air yards per completion this season. They are number two, I believe in explosive pass plays and they're number one. They're number one in air yards per attempt. Uh, no, air, number one in air yards per completion and number two in air yards per attempt. So, yeah, it's got to be the Houston Texans. What D'Amico Ryans has done there has been phenomenal. And, guys, what was going on last year in, or in the previous years with Houston was just crazy. Like, you should do some digging. Hom- homework, you guys. I know you love it. But do some digging about what was going on in Houston with Jack Easterby and, like, having practice squad players be, like, moles in the locker room and report back to him about like, you know, the morale and how he was being perceived. I mean, it was, it was freaking bizarre in Houston. And now you got D'Amico, you got CJ, you got the defense up and coming. Uh, AFC South's going to be rough because of all the young fun quarterbacks and some good coaches in there too. Uh, but it's gotta be uh, the Texans. That was uh it was a shaving. Nick is actually what oh. this was. So that's what okay. I get for shaving on a Friday. So I actually okay. nicked just under my, nostril it was not a bloody nose it's actually okay. a shaving cut and well those are a pain <laughs> well, okay hope, hope you're doing um better. so yeah that's what that was it's like i don't get bloody nose i can't remember the last time i had a bloody nose well i can remember the last time i shaved and, and cut myself that happens about twice a year so merry christmas everybody and uh, apologies for those of you watching for the gore i'm gonna have to mark this as you know uh, obscene or or you know could be could be disturbing to watch Archangel comes in, says, rise up and go dogs. Good to see you. Uh, but let's get into this here real quick. Um, I'm not sure uh, where where Robert Miller's coming in with this one, but that's okay. Um, oh, that's what he is. He's he's spamming. That's what that is. So we'll just I'll go take the six grand, though. God did. He said, give me this. Give me the six grand, Robert. Uh, but anyway, just buying a new car. We need that. Uh, but Ooh, the playoffs got one. Um, let me see here on, uh, I, I like to put this in the chat. There's the, uh, the mock draft from Dane Brugler. Um, it kicks off and this is one of the big questions. Um, let's see. It was free yesterday. All of a sudden it's not free anymore. I sent it to you on a Google doc. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and bring that back up. Cause it was free yesterday, which is strange. Maybe they realized, Hey, it's free and it wasn't supposed to be uh, a lot of y'all probably have. The athletic anyway but um i've got another copy of it here but uh the big question coming in and, and it's going to be for the offseason maybe all the way up until draft time or until a move is made what will the chicago bears do with justin fields and the number one pick 
In this case, there's no trade made. And Dane Brugler has the Chicago Bears taken Caleb Williams, quarterback, USC. And he acknowledges Justin Fields will be under a microscope the final month of the season as the Bears consider their quarterback options. Because that is really, it might be the biggest question going into the draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what happens with uh, the Bears? I think the odds of them having the first pick are like 70% now with the uh, Panthers being so poor. Now things can change, of course, but uh, Panthers have a pretty good lead, I think, especially with the strength of schedule stuff too with the Panthers. They almost have like a game and a half lead because, again, NFC South. Uh, so the strength of schedule is not as high. But uh, the Bears right now, I think, I, you know, Scott, I love Justin Fields. Liked him coming out. I still think there's a lot of potential and talent there. Needs to cut down the turnovers. But the NFL right now is about creating explosive plays, if you can, because defenses are doing everything within their possibility everything within their strength to take away the explosives and uh, Justin Fields can do that so I think he's still a good quarterback but are you going to want to pay him a hundred million guaranteed because that's even though he hasn't you know we still have question marks about him somebody's probably going to pay him that on the open market still because he has had enough flashes he's still young he's very talented uh, so is it Justin Fields and you know two other players trading down get the picks plus Justin Fields for a hundred million guaranteed or is it resetting the quarterback contract? Nobody with any sort of scars, maybe a new court, a new coach in there, get his own guy. And again, resetting the quarterback contract. I lean that way personally, if I was the bears, but the, it's still going to play out. Yeah. You mentioned not want to pay that kind of money. Derek Carr got a hundred million guaranteed. Yep. And um, that's what it's going to be. I mean, he's going to yeah, get that. So Justin Fields is absolutely can, that can get that kind of money. And, and frankly, yep. four years, a hundred million guarantees, not that much money. You know, $25 million for your quarterback isn't that much if you're getting good quarterback play. Yes. Um, you know, that's the key. And and he's played, again, there's so many of us that want to say, what would he be like out of Chicago? It's yeah. been tough. You know, where where would he be this year with the Houston Texans if they had made that move? So um, it, it's fascinating. The Chicago Bears are just fascinating. They were really intriguing last year. They made some moves. They did not disappoint really busy and free agent. They're going to be the most fascinating team in the offseason again. Um, and now it's time to start putting that together. I mean, are they going to have the same coach? Uh, quarterback situation, could they spin this thing into about five first-round draft picks over the next couple of years? They're such a good position because they made a good move and Carolina didn't at, at their mm -hmm. expense. Uh, the number two pick, I, I put in the title that there were some surprises at the top. Uh, or, you know, throughout one of those surprises coming up is the Arizona Cardinals, who also are a very intriguing team because they don't have to stick with Kyler Murray. They could draft his replacement. But in this case, Dane Brugler of The Athletic has the Arizona Cardinals taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Number two overall. What are your thoughts on not the quarterback not going in the number two spot? And that means they're hanging on to uh, to Kyler Murray. I think it makes sense still because Kyle Murray is still probably a top 12 quarterback in the NFL and how his contract lines up. Uh, he is pretty hard to move on from still. I think you probably are a year away from that being a possibility. Now I, they are going to do the work on the quarterbacks without a doubt. And if there's a guy there that they like more than Kyler, you have to take him. I don't care if it means two guys on there. It's that hard to find that position and even just an incremental improvement at quarterback makes a massive difference from going like, let's say like you go from a A minus to an A at quarterback. I'll take that over going from a 
C plus to a A minus at edge. You know, like that's that's how valuable quarterback is. Um, so because I think you'll have another chance at an edge where it's harder to find that true A level quarterback. So if they like the quarterback more, you take it. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson, maybe AJ Green. I mean, he's he's up there, six uh, four. He really can sink his hips. Uh, I think the quarterback play in Ohio State has been lacking this season compared to what we've seen in the past. Uh, and he's still getting it done. So I don't mind it at all. I know the wide receiver is a, there's a lot of, it's, the value is not driven by wide receiver due to scarcity. It's impact. It's an impact driven position. And if you don't have good wide receivers, like three of them, you're going to have a hard time, especially coming back to explosive play, Scott. That's a wide receiver all day. And we know the Arizona Cardinals aren't afraid to move on from a quarterback. They did That's one true. of the more unprecedented moves of moving on from a first round pick, a top 10 pick that they traded up for in the year. year. That they traded up for. They traded up for Rosen too. I think. I think so. A small, slight move up, and then yeah, think- uh, and then move on from him. So they're not afraid. I think that's the same gentleman. I'm not positive on that. I'm not familiar with the you know the ins and outs of the Arizona Cardinals, but did well. Um, I think. I think. And Zach Peros comes in. He says, "I think the generational quarterback talk on Williams and May has settled. Would you draft either over Trevor Lawrence or Luck?" Um, let me hit on this one first, real quick. Uh, these things don't necessarily have to do with one another. You can still be one of the top quarterback prospects in the last 15 years and be third behind Andrew Luck or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I haven't scouted these two as much as I'd saw the, those two at the time. Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence were the two most sure thing quarterback prospects in their era and we're talking about over 10 years now which is a generation in nfl Mm -hmm. these are the two best guys since those guys now lawrence wasn't that far away but lawrence was the best one since andrew luck and these are the next two that are in that neighborhood these are maybe i i just think i look back to the arizona cardinals and i think okay i just don't think you'll be able to turn down what someone if you don't want one of the quarterbacks and you want to stick with Kyler Murray and yes, you could get the next Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe. I just don't know that you're going to be able to turn down what you are going to be offered for that number two pick. It would need to be a, probably a situation where they're like, we will only move down to four. So if three or four want to come up and get a quarterback, that's great. But I need to ensure that I get player X or Y. Uh, so that limits it a bit. Maybe you just would rather take the sure thing. Um, in Mar- as sure of a thing as it can be in the draft, uh, in Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, I will admit, uh, obviously still getting better every day and still learning and never going to bat a thousand, but I watched luck in college, but that predates me as far as the watching the all 22 and the draft. I like, I'm like, Oh, this guy's very good. Yes, of course. What makes him good? Uh, it's now I can go back and be like, Oh yeah, the, obviously the talent, the arm talent, the athleticism, uh, but the full, command and the operation within structure and the full field rhythm. I mean, they're playing NFL concepts there in Stanford. Uh, Lawrence, I would have him below luck personally uh, because Lawrence, while he was great and we loved him coming out, there were questions about how simplified the offense was. Uh, a lot of people called it a high school offense. They just didn't ask him to do a lot. They just out talented guys. And also his accuracy in the quick game um, was sometimes problematic. Uh, so I mean, not a 99 out of a hundred, you know, more like a 97 still mm-hmm. blue chip. Yeah, maybe you put the generational tag on him. That's that's amazing. Uh, but I don't think either of these quarterbacks 
are in that level, but they are still going to be top five grade quarterbacks. And when you are a quarterback at a true top five grade, that is like you're going one over on most drafts. This is going to be Nick and I's fourth draft together, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our fourth draft together. And this is easily Trevor Lawrence was first. And after Trevor Lawrence, these are the next two. Yep. I would have probably, I probably still would have had Justin Fields ahead of CJ Stroud. I would have too. Um, yep. I probably, if we're stacking them up, I probably would have had CJ Stroud next. I would have had these two ahead of CJ Stroud. Um, hindsight, CJ Stroud goes number one overall. <laughs> yep. so and I have both of these guys. I'd have both of these guys over Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson last year. Yep. I'd have both of them for sure over that uh, 2022 draft class with uh, Kenny Pickett going the only first round yeah, pick. They, that was they, a those. Oh, what a what a that's what a weird year. I mean, do you remember, Scott? I was like screaming into the mic with all those shows because I'm like the Broncos need to take a quarterback in 2021 because 2022 looks like absolute bull hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's like, oh, you never know the future. Somebody can come out of nowhere. Nobody really came out of nowhere. I guess Kenny Pickett kind of did. Brock was like, Purdy? Yeah. yeah I, That's I coming out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but not like a draft college-wise. And also 0-4 versus Iowa. Go Hawks. Uh, Brock Purdy. And his brother Chuba just lost to Iowa last Friday. So uh, God bless the Purdy family taking L's from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Troy Green comes in. What's up, Scott and Nick? What's up to you, Troy? Hope you're doing well. Appreciate you coming in. Good Friday morning to you. Uh, he says, where is our new edge coming from? Obviously talking Falcons. Uh, this offseason, the draft or free agency. I'm not sure the birds are taking a quarterback with a first pick. I really believe there will be a vet signing at quarterback. Uh, Brandon also says Jalen Daniels in the first round and wide receiver in the second. Possible. I don't know what Scott will do if they take another wide receiver, but uh, you need you need weapons. Trade Kyle need Pitts if they do that. Yeah, yeah. That's certainly a possibility. I mean, round two, if you like the wide receiver enough, especially with the depth in this class, I don't think it's the worst move in the world because you need a variety of guys there uh, to run different stuff. So there's some options and it's, it is such a talented wide receiver class. Like so you far imagine? when I do mock drafts, I see about four quarterbacks. I like in the second round. Um, it just quarterbacks quarterbacks. Yeah. Of course, not all of them will be there in yeah, the second say, round because yeah. one couple might get drafted soon and two, they might not be draft eligible. They might be going back to college. Might go back. Yep. But um, it still looks, it still looks pretty interesting. Um, Falcons are trading up for Caleb Williams. It'd be expensive. It will go back. I'll go back to the the day after Kyle Pitts was drafted and why I didn't like that because it, it's going to cost you to try and get your quarterback. If you don't, then, and it's going to cost three first-round picks and change. It could cost three first-round picks and Kyle Pitts to move up to get Caleb Williams. Uh, Joey says, I'd take Caleb uh, Williams over uh, Trevor Lawrence. The playmaking is as good as we've mm -hmm. ever seen from a prospect of that position. Rare wow factor. Uh, he has some things to work on structure, but he's special, special talent. Again, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't argue levels of elite. These are elite prospects. Now I know more about, so you go with what you're more familiar with. I would have taken, I'd take Trevor Lawrence right now, but I've got another four months to try and make that decision. Mm -hmm. But Caleb Williams is an elite prospect. If you said, Hey, I like Caleb Williams better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to argue with you. It's, it's close enough. Um, I'll argue stuff that, you know, where it's, what are you talking about? You know, this is, this is a, a really, a, it's a, he's a really good quarterback prospect. And speaking of which number three coming in is a new England Patriots. Dane Brugler's mock draft on the athletic, the new England Patriots take Drake may quarterback, North Carolina. 
do y'all want to see? I know Patriots fans would be jumping up and down, but do non-Patriots fans want to see Drake May in New England? Whew. That's uh that's a little frightening, honestly. Oh man, they're back. Here they come. I don't know if they'll be back because if they finish three, are they sticking with Bill Belichick? There's a lot of talk right now that he might be on his way out, even though they gave him that new contract. But I mean, Kraft, you know, cha-ching. Uh, so we'll see uh, with that. But Patriots are definitely in the hunt. And that you talk about big games. Last week, we had the Patriots Giants and uh, the New, Eng- uh, New York fighting DeVitos. Uh, Tommy DeVitos ended up beating the Patriots. And that's probably a quarterback de- defining game. Uh, for them or quarterback Wh- whoever lost that game probably gets one of the top two quarterbacks so uh yeah Patriots may or Williams we'll see uh, coming back to Williams the big problem with Williams I don't I see there's like talks about like the maturity stuff and uh, you know just the mental side of things that doesn't bother me so much it might bother some folks uh, but he obviously cares which matters to me and he sounds like a really smart kid as well uh, but what concerns me about Williams is the play under pressure. Uh, I feel like right now because of, uh, and it's some of it is scheme. So you have to parse through that. Uh, but he is inviting pressure and then looking to create out of the chaos. And last season he got away with it this season. He's been one of the worst statistical quarterbacks under pressure in college football, which is a red flag. Now, granted that's not as uh, predictive year to year uh, can be much more volatile and fluctuate uh, as we've seen through other quarterbacks throughout the NFL and college. Uh, but it is a concern. He does have flaws uh, he's a little bit short. He's thick, but he's short. There's almost, I don't want to use this. Uh, I mean, we, I love a thick quarterback, Scott. I mean, it's, I've watching Ritter. That's one of the things that scares me about uh, Jaden Daniels as well. The skinny guys, you got to have a little bit of, you know, grown man strength uh, in the pocket. Um, and uh, sometimes skinny guys get knocked down. But uh, back to uh, Caleb Williams, one guy he really kind of does remind me of here. I know everybody talks Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, Russell Wilson to his game as well. You know, short, stocky the incredible throws. Sometimes what are you doing? Get rid of the ball, go through your reads. You don't need to, you know, try to create out a structure as much as you do, but the arm talent, the ability to hit throws off of different angles and the way it explodes out of his hand. I mean, he is definitely incredibly gifted and talented. So again, if you want to fight for him being number one over Trevor Lawrence or in this draft, that's fine. I, I'm not ready to say who's one between Williams and may yet, uh, but they're both top three picks in this draft and uh, extremely talented and hoping for the best for both of them. As long as they stay out of the AFC, um, Lawrence, I'm going to get to you in just a moment. I see you coming with stars on Facebook, but I want to address these because it's coming up from rusty. Caleb Williams strikes me as a character flaw guy. Chris Walker. Isn't Caleb Williams wanting part ownership of a team that drafts him. Dave, what makes you guys some of the weird issues with Caleb Williams? There has been a really, really good smear campaign against Caleb Williams. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty unbelievable. That he wants an ownership issue, that's ridiculous. It's it's against the rules, period. Mm-hmm. Uh that that's it's just nonsense. Show me the clip of him saying those things because he doesn't. It's just all of this talk coming out of here and there. And it's it's nonsense, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of put it onto the overexposure a little bit. Uh, you know, you win the Heisman, you come in with all this hype, you have to have a bad, you know, you're, you, you regress a little bit the next year. We saw it with Tim Tebow, the hype around Tim Tebow winning Heisman, coming back and, and all of that type of stuff. We saw the detractors and the haters and all this stuff come out with Tebow. We saw it. It was a little different with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won, I think as a sophomore, the Heisman put up Tecmo Bowl numbers again the next year, but he was at Louisville. No offense to Louisville. 
but you're not on the same Q rating factor as the Florida Gators and the USC Trojans. You can't ignore those guys. I can ignore Louisville when you know you're not playing for national championships. They I can just push them off the side of my ESPN and not talk about them anymore because they're not nationally relevant, so to speak, compared to when I talk Michigan and Ohio State, the two or Notre Dame or USC, some of the biggest fan bases, that's how I get my ratings. There is a smear campaign that's gone against Caleb Williams, y'all, and it's 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 nonsense. It, it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Judge him yeah. on what you see as a player. And if you want to talk to me about, okay, he's he's throwing to wide open receivers all the time and he's not hitting these windows. I'll listen. I'll yeah. listen to that stuff. But the I I want part ownership in a team, miss me. I don't think that's true. I think that's just that's BS. No, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't. As uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. One thing also about Caleb Williams is that I think a lot of people are tuning in expecting to see fireworks, you know, because they've seen the highlights and whatnot. And granted, a lot of the weaknesses that we saw as a sophomore have been amplified this season. Again, you know, just the ability to play in structure and make the right read. Uh, he's just pretty volatile uh, right now. But this USC team, I think we need to give him credit. This USC team was really poor this season overall. They probably had one of the worst eight defenses in Power 5, despite being a really well-recruited team. I mean, Alex Grinch is gone. Thank God there. They also took Nebraska's defensive coordinator, hired him yesterday at USC. Uh, but Caleb Williams essentially had, you know, we have to, if we don't put up 50 points, we are going to lose. And that is just, that's not fair. That's unrealistic. And their offensive line was terrible too. I don't know if they have a single draftable guy on that unit right now. So uh, Lincoln Riley watch maybe going on right now. But uh, yeah, he had to pretty much be, perfect back there for them to win football games. And then, you know, the, the narrative, Oh, well, he's not even winning at USC. How can he even be good if he can't win at USC? Well, USC is actually not very Let's look at the last good. 10 years of USC. Yeah. I you mean, know, they're, they're a top 25 team, not a top borderline. 10. Yeah. Borderline yeah. top 25. Um, what was I going to say? I forgot already. So uh, let's say, and Joey Nicholas, for everything hurt, he's an incredible teammate. Oh, and he jumped from this team to that team, you know, Guys transfer. There was a good question here. I want to hit Lawrence, and then I want to ask you about Joe Milton. Mm -hmm. um, Lawrence says, uh, what's up, guys? Let's get coming up with the stars. Thank you for breaking the ice on the stars for us. A reminder yeah, that Super geez. Chats and stars on Facebook are the most direct way you can support uh, the efforts that Nick and I put forth, as Lawrence has done on Facebook. He says, what's up, guys? Let's skip any QB this year. I want a running back. I'll wait for Shador Sanders. Um, Lawrence is a Denver Broncos fan, and – Denver Broncos have a pretty good running back stable. So Lawrence, you confuse me sometimes with your takes. This is one of those times. Uh, I would be looking for an edge. I would be looking for uh, another defensive back. I'd be looking for an inside linebacker. I'd be looking for a wide receiver if I was a Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. We'll get down to them uh, shortly. We need to start burning through this mock draft. We're only to three um, on this. But there was a good question here. Uh, it was from Zach. He says, do you guys see Joe Milton having the same draft board rise as Anthony Richardson this year after Milton goes to the Senior Bowl and Combine kid has all the traits? He's a better thrower than Anthony Richardson was. He's got more experience. I don't think he's got the same physical ability, certainly not the athleticism. Um, Anthony Richardson could have come into the league and been a, a, a day one or two pick as a tight end, as a wide receiver, and as an edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Joe Milton is there, but could be a very intriguing. You, you like those big dudes, Nick? This guy's 6'5 and 245 pounds. Being huge with a big arm and a solid athlete gets you, you a foot in the door. 
but that's, you know, that's the first question. If you pass that, okay, we'll move on to the next level. Uh, and for me, he is loses his damn mind anytime there is pressure on him. And he is exceedingly uh, inaccurate down the field. It's a pretty quarterback friendly vertical offense out there with Heupel in Tennessee. And he struggled uh, this season a lot. I just do not think he sees the game. Well, I don't think he's accurate enough. Uh, somebody could take a shot on him because again, those tools are unbelievable. And Scott, I agree with you. I think the raw power is better than Anthony Richardson, but I feel like he's, his arm is not as elastic. Like he can't play the quarterback position. He plays it more like a pitcher uh, rather than, you know, a shortstop where you have that like flexibility and the arm angles and off platform stuff. He's a little bit more, I need to do it this specific way for it to be accurate. Uh, and where Richardson can get the ball accurately in a variety of different platforms and bases, uh, which is really important for quarterbacks in today's NFL. Uh, so day three, it, depending on how he does with the interviews and the whiteboard stuff uh, because of the tools, he'll get a chance, but he's been pretty inaccurate and poor and hurt a guy. I think brew, brew McCoy, a pretty good uh, Tennessee wide receiver prospect as well. Uh, and he's been a non factor this season because Milton has been had some issues out there. Lawrence says, I just want a Derrick Henry type. Let's not forget that Russell Wilson only got to the Super Bowl because of Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom. Yeah, um, I don't think we have a player of that caliber yet. Yeah, I'd, I'd look for the defense first. I, I'd, I'd credit that that defense uh, probably more than Marshawn if I was picking a unit to say. Mm -hmm. you know, Marshawn, Marshawn was great in the running game, but that defense was pretty good. Bucks, Bucks raised bolts. I apologize. I didn't say hello earlier. I didn't mean to skip over you. Um he has two questions. Who do you think makes the playoffs in college football? Give them to me quick because we're still only at three, Nick, on our mock draft. And then uh, he says, do you think Todd Bowles is fired if the Panthers gets this week? I think it could be real interesting that all four teams in the NFC South could fire their coaches at the end of this year. Yeah, it's could happen, I guess. Um, college football playoff. So I think uh, Georgia is going to win uh, that one. I think that uh, Michigan's going to absolutely destroy my Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, there's a sports book out there, Scott, where first half over under on Iowa points is at 0 0.5. I said that right. One, it, you win money if Iowa scores one point in the first I half. Would I would, I mean, that's a, that's a turnover and a field goal. I'll, I'll take it. Anything. Yeah. That's I, a, that's a shanked punt. It's, it's, I think you have to make that bet, but uh, the you fact have that it's to. Even, but I said that even, about, I said that about Iowa, Nebraska and the over under being at 23 and they didn't hit it. They hit 23, 23 and a half. It was 23 and a half, and they came under. Yeah, yep. had 17 points at halftime and still didn't hit the over. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and then when I watched the game, I'm like, oh, yeah. It makes sense. You know, there's a difference yeah. between – I remember some of my – remember when LSU and Alabama played in a rematch, and I'm not – again, I, I'm absolutely against rematches mm -hmm. in, in, in playoffs. If you couldn't get it done the first time, you don't get a second chance. But yeah. those two teams played each other, and you know the people that were pissed that it was LSU and Alabama. It was a very, very low-scoring game. Yeah, there was like forty guys on those rosters on the defensive side of the ball that ended up in the NFL. Yeah, that is a pitching duel. There's a difference between a pitching duel and crap hitting. Watching Nebraska Iowa was just god awful offense. There wasn't anything special about those those defenses. They were that was just bad. It was bad football. The defenses are I would okay, but it's yeah. not 13 to 10. Okay. Yeah. 
And also when you play Michigan and you hold them to 10 points, I'll say, yes, it was good defense. Won't happen because the offense is going to go three and out every single time. Uh, But uh, also shout out to Iowa's special teams. Um, That's a, that's a big, big part of it too. I put a dime on a point. Yeah. (laughs) First half. Yeah. Moving on Nick Um, playoffs. So I think uh, Florida state isn't going to end, is going to end up winning over Louisville. And uh, that's going to make it hard, I guess, because I think whoever they're going up against, they're going to be, 18 point dogs, no matter who it is in the playoffs without uh, Jordan Travis, but you cannot leave a undefeated power five champion out of the playoffs. I mean, the games have to mean something, even if you lost your quarterback. So I think Florida state, one of, if if there were five of them, one would get left out, but I I would put Florida state wins that I'd put them in there for sure. I think they have to, because the results have to matter, right? We're not playing these games in a computer simulation. If we're doing that, just put in the BCS again. I just forget about it. Uh, But no, the games I think have to be, have to matter. Um, so I would probably go one. I think Georgia's going to win two. I think Michigan's going to win three. I think it'll be Florida state. Cause I think Oregon is going to beat the Huskies today, which hurts me. Cause I'm definitely pulling for the Huskies. Uh, for last Saturday, when Washington beat Washington state on a last second field goal, I actually went out on my stoop watching the game. Cause I live a block, two blocks away from Husky stadium. So I could hear the stadium go nuts. So cool. 30 seconds before uh, the field goal went through. So I think Oregon, though, they're nine-point favorite tonight. I just don't trust Washington on the line of scrimmage like I trust Oregon. And uh, Oregon lost that game because they went for it on fourth down like twice and didn't get it. They missed like a really easy field goal, and they missed the one to close the game as well. Oregon, I think, played better than Washington in that game, and now it's going to be in a neutral field. Oregon's played a lot better since then, where Washington hasn't. Uh, So I think it's going to be, again, Georgia wins over Alabama. Cannot wait for that game. Michigan wins. I'll watch. Florida state beats Louisville and then Oregon beats uh, Washington and jumps. So that would leave out Texas. Sorry, Texas. Don't lose to Oklahoma, I guess. Um, Even though you have probably one of the best wins in college football this season and uh, also leaving out Ohio state who needs probably a miracle to get in. Uh, Brennan says next year's playoff system is going to be so much more fun. And uh, I always said that as soon as they go to a playoffs, I'll stop watching. I'll start watching when the playoffs start. And that's Mm -hmm. how it is. I, I used to, I spent my 20s and 30s. I would watch 24 hours of college football. I'd probably watch six to 10 games. Yeah. And I um, see Zach. Zach now I'll watch when the playoffs come on. You've absolutely ruined the regular season for me. Um, yeah, my I life agree. has changed a lot in my 40s. Um, you know, two kids at 36 and 38 years old will do that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved around a lot. But uh, I just, I used to really love those. August 28th matchups. I remember Texas and Ohio state playing one yes. time or Miami against somebody. And those were playoff games. Those mattered. Now it's like, mm, okay, I'll wait until I'll wait until January. Who, but how much fun is March madness? You know what I call it? No one gives a damn until March. That's, that's what I call it. Anyway, let's move on here. Chicago bears and Washington commanders at four or five. Since we're 50 minutes in, we're in the top five still. Dane Brugler of The Athletic has Joe Alt going to the Bears at four over Olufashano at number five to the Commanders. How do you how do you feel about that one? I'm a little bit surprised to see Olu fall, but Joe Alt has been unbelievable this season uh, as well. I don't think Joe is as totally athletic, like springy as Olufashanu, but he is a little bit more technical right now. And I think he's a little bit stronger in the run game, well, which matters. I just think Olu's got a little bit more upside as a pass protector. Uh, Joe Alt is also exceedingly young i think he's only going to be 20 next season when the draft occurs Mm -hmm. still so still very young so is olu um these are probably two of the better tackle prospects we've seen in the draft in a while 
I do not think we're going to see a slide similar to the head scratching one we saw when Tristan Wirfs fell to 13. Uh, but I think this, this draft class in general, I think Dane had nine of the first 32 picks being offensive tackles. Uh, so that's a, I think the record is eight uh, in NFL history. Uh, so tackle heavy, but these two are awesome. I would have Olu higher, but if somebody wanted to go alt, I'd have no issue with that. And Joe alt just makes me shake my fist at this guy because if Joe alt is a legacy in the NFL, his dad played for the, I think the Buccaneers for a number of years. Um, on the offensive line. And he's also, where do you go to school, Scott? You guessed it. I'm guessing Iowa. Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, he went to Iowa and then Iowa lost him in the recruiting battle to Notre Dame, which I mean, he's going to be a top five pick. So I'm like, I don't really blame him, I guess. But like, you got to you got to win those ones, guys. Next, New York Giants, the first wide receiver on the board, uh, Malik Neighbors, LSU. Do you agree with Malik Neighbors going top seven and being the first wide receiver off this board, off the board this year. He's not the first wide receiver because we had Marvin, we Harrison, had Marvin Jr. Harrison Jr. And I've already forgotten because we talked about that 30 minutes ago. Apologies. Yeah. The next I, of the group, uh, Marvin Harrison's in his own category. Yes. He's up for sure. Let's forget about it. I've already forgotten about it, Scott. Yep. Um, the next tier. Yes. Does he belong to be the next guy taken? And Scott, this might sound crazy, but I think that he has been so explosive at LSU this year with playing good defenses that if somebody needed a wide receiver more than an offensive tackle, I could see him going a team talking themselves into going him before Olu and alt. Uh, he, I think he leads college football by like 10 plays of 20 plus yard uh, receptions. Uh, he's just been getting explosives left and right. Now part of that is because he's also playing opposite another first round wide receiver on the other end with potential Heisman to a top 10 pick in uh, Jaden Daniels uh, as at quarterback, but neighbors has been unbelievable. Um, he's the, the comparison that I've heard that it really sticks with me that I like for him is DJ Moore Cause he's kind of short stocky thick, but he's so twitchy and explosive. And it's not like Debo Samuel manufactured touches, which is still good. Don't get me wrong, but like he's a wide receiver right. still as well. So I love Malik neighbors. And I think he is for sure a top seven player in this class and uh, should be emphatically wide receiver too. Someone help me. The LSU receiver I absolutely loved, and I'm getting old. He was a running back before he went there. His last name was Reed, I believe, wore like 25 and was absolutely phenomenal. And now I can't remember his name. It was probably mid-2000s when I first started doing this stuff, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Wonder if he reminds would be similar to that, run after the catch guy. Uh, Michael Ranquillo, he's calling his shot with a $2 super chat. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington Huskies. You know what? We're going to keep an eye on that, Michael, and we will shout you out after the fact. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the uh, the super chat. Uh, Lauren Rivera says, uh, "What's the page on YouTube? It's just uh, YouTube.com/slash Scott Kennedy. Real easy to find on YouTube. Appreciate the the support. Um, all right, quarterback fans, cover your ears because Tampa Bay is taking Jaden Daniels number seven. If uh, in Dane Brugler's of the athletics mock draft offensively and defensively, the Buccaneers are a middle of the road team and they'll have several interesting roster decisions make, including quarterback high rising Jaden Daniels. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it earlier, Scott, uh, explosive plays are the name of the game in today's NFL. And I think Jaden Daniels, since we've been collecting uh, explosive plays uh, statistically in college football over the last five years, he has the most in college football history over a uh, whatever game sample size that we've seen. I think it's about 
five or six more than Burrow had in that unbelievable 2019 um, uh, run that he had. I think it was 2019, whatever year it was with the LSU uh, Burroughs. Uh, but the, yeah, Daniels has been awesome. Um, he's a pretty darn good athlete. Uh, he trusts his arm. I think he does a lot of good quarterbacking stuff too. He's taken a big step forward. Before coming to LSU, uh, this before being at LSU this season, he had played in different s- offensive systems, I think, every year of his career uh, to date. So finally having a chance to play in the same system two seasons, it's made a heck of a difference for them. Uh, and he's just played so aggressive. I do worry against Scott because he is built a little bit like a toothpick. Mm-hmm. And with his play style, I mean, he does not protect himself. He, he just doesn't. Um want to give a shout out to uh, Nate Tice who does uh, the former or son of former NFL head coach, Mike Tice. Uh, does a lot of good stuff covering the NFL. And he always calls uh, Jaden Daniels, Johnny Knoxville, kind of the uh, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm going to cuss on here, but it's the name of the show. Um, Jackass where, you know, you're doing all these crazy stunts and whatever. That's like Jaden Daniels playing football. Cause he just reckless abandoned tossing his uh, tossing his body out there. It makes me cringe when I watch it. Like he's getting airborne and then getting destroyed by a defensive lineman. And like, that, I don't think that can last in the NFL, uh, but the playmaking, the, uh, the arm talent, the ability to go through progressions and make like tight window throws as well. I mean, when you are trying to hunt for explosive plays in the NFL, because teams are taking them away schematically, like they've never done before. Jaden Daniels can help you create explosive plays. He's not Lamar Jackson, but I think that's probably the, path uh that you want to see for Jaden daniels i think it's the lamar jackson-esque offense protect himself use him as a runner but not in a physical style it's more of a spacing style uh who would you compare Jaden daniels to bucks race bolts asks i i I think it'd have to be stylistically again lamar jackson Uh, i think that that's the one again it's a little bit of a new age quarterback he's a scrawny guy he's twitchy he's got a good enough arm i think he's a little bit better of a thrower, especially between the hash marks than uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, but uh, he is, he's a but pretty he's darn probably good the fastest guy on the field. Like Lamar Jackson no. is he's Lamar fast, Jackson, though. the closest thing to Mike Vick that we had since Mike Vick. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what his, uh, his 40 time is because he plays really. He and Kyle, I was speaking of Josh Reed. I absolutely loved Josh Reed at LSU. He was so good. He was so good while he was there. Uh, while you're looking up, Trey, I want to move down because number eight, New York Jets, Dane Brugler has them taking Brock Bowers tight end Georgia. I think that is a good pick for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, the thing about Scott, we don't have enough time to get into all this stuff, um, but uh, <laughs> the the Jaden Daniels stuff, and I, Lamar, Joey's right. I had it mixed up. Lamar is good numbers are between the he pelts between the numbers it's the outside the hash mark stuff sorry excuse me i'm totally mixed up on that one joey um but uh brock bowers is really interesting uh because he allows you to play in theory 12 personnel but it's 11 so when you go out there with two tight ends he's a hybrid tight end to wide receiver piece kind of like what the chiefs do with travis kelsey now in theory when he lines up in the huddle you see okay we have two tight ends out here but he's lining up in the slot well he's not really acting like a tight end in that. So he allows you to be much more positionless with your personnel. Um, and I think he's probably never going to be a true why in a sense where you want him just purely lined up, but you can play him as the, the F tight end. He can play in the slot. He can play out wide. He can play H back. Uh, so you do need a little bit of creativity um, from your offensive schemer to make sure that you are getting him uh, touches, but uh, that is uh, that's fine. And also, 
Scott, he is so good in the yak department as well. And we're trying to talk about how do we create explosives? Well, getting guys who can, the high percentage throws underneath where they're checkdowns that then can lead to explosives. I mean, that's what's made a lot of these Shanahan passing offenses so beautiful over these last few years. So Bowers is awesome. Um, he gives you a lot of versatility. Again, I know he's a tight end and because of that, he has to hit at a certain level to be worth it. But like I, I see, especially in like a Shanahan esque system uh, or West coast, excuse me, um, the Travis Kelsey mold, maybe even like Cooper cup mold, you know, the bigger, Slots who can then dig out a linebacker or a safety in a zone uh, zone run. Um, really valuable, good player, and uh, versatile. So, yeah, I think I think Dane nailed the top seven players in this draft. I think there's a, you draw a line after those top seven. I'm not sure where you go from here. Um, or Did he have Daniels going before Bowers? Yes. Okay. Well, that's, he had Daniels at seven and Brock at eight. That's the quarterback inflation there. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, so, yes. Uh, Brock Bowers could be labeled as the best best player in this draft. He could be one of those guys. Yeah, I think I don't think there's any way he could go top three. I no, agree. No, with no, but again, yeah, yeah. I could make that argument. If you were to say Brock yeah. Bowers is the best player in this draft, I wouldn't argue with you. I would throw yeah. in guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. would would be where I would come with that next. Yes. Um but he could go anywhere for me from four to eight. I think that's probably the range right now for him. Number nine, LA Chargers, JC Latham. Okay, another offensive tackle. But number 10 becomes a little more interesting to me. So, because we're running out of time, we'll have time to go through all of these all the way through. We'll go through these 100 times. We got time. Um, well, the Tennessee Titans at number 10 with the first defensive player off wow. the board in Dallas Turner Edge. Is he the first defensive player off the board? I think it's certainly possible. Uh, this is not a defensive class. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, just scrolling through this, I don't see a single off-ball linebacker or safety in this first-round mock this season. It's not really a good uh, draft for that this year. So if you were looking for that, you're probably barking up the wrong tree. So you can't manifest a player at a position if that player doesn't exist in that specific draft class. Uh, but I think Dallas Turner right now would be my pick for the first uh defensive player off the board. Uh, he is not Will Anderson, but he's a lengthy player. Um, I know that Nick Saban raves about him as far as a character uh, player as well. I mean, he's a dude who absolutely loves ball. Um, I've had the fortune. I've spent the last couple of days uh, when now has been doing something. I've been watching some Alabama defense, uh, trying to get an idea on the cornerbacks because Alabama has two cornerbacks who are first round draftable and 15 flashes. And it's not always the flashes in terms of, the winning at the snap or the, uh, the incredible bend or, you know, the actual pass rush. It's a lot of the athleticism displayed in the hustle plays. He is hunting guys down, chasing them down after, after he's rushed the quarterback running all the way around and then getting them and laying a big hit. So, uh, I do think that he probably will never be a top six edge rusher in the NFL, but I think he can be a number one for a team. And uh, a very good player as well. So excited to see what he can do. And I do think he is the best defensive player in this class. There is a lot. Of, we're we're going to get out of here in just a minute. We're at 63 minutes already. We've gone through the top 10. Let me hit the next 10 guys in rapid. And I want you to see, because there's a lot of defense here. I want you to listen and see if there's a guy that could jump into the top 10 out of this. 11, Las Vegas Raiders take Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson. 12, New Orleans Saints, Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State. Packers with Terry on Arnold quarterback out of Alabama at 14. The Rams take Latu Latu out of uh, UCLA edge uh, Bengals at 15. Another wide receiver, Rome Adunzi out of Washington. Sorry if I mispronounced that name, Buffalo Adunzi. bills, another offensive tackle at 16 out of Georgia. I'm Marius Mims. 
Wild. 17 Arizona Cardinals, Jared Verse. There's a very interesting name out of Florida State, edge rusher. 18 Denver Broncos, cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama. 19 Falcons, edge, pass rush, Chop Robinson, edge of uh, Penn State. And then number 20, Johnny Newton, defensive tackle out of Illinois as the first big defensive lineman off the board and only in the first round, I think. Yeah, that's uh, the only interior defensive lineman in the first round. There's been some talk of Chris Jenkins as well, uh, son of Chris Jenkins, uh, who was a longtime Panther, great defensive tackle. I don't know where he went to school. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's out of these guys you listed, does anybody have a chance to click in the top 10 here, Scott? I think probably the guy that we'd have to talk about would be one of these pass rushers here. And the reason why I say that is because pass rush success in the NFL is so predicated on athleticism. It's probably the most correlated position between your actual draft number or your combine numbers to NFL success. Uh, other positions, especially like linebacker, safety, interior offensive lineman. I mean, even some of those corner. are nice to have. Corner, yeah, even, even corner, which is the most corner. athletic position in sports. Yes. NFL cornerbacks. But th that's more of like a, you need a baseline. And then if you make that baseline, you're good enough where pass rush, it's typically the more you are, the better you are. So I think if any of these pass rushers, uh, and I'll include Johnny Newton in here, Jared verse, Leatu Latu, uh, chop Robinson and Dallas Turner. If one of those guys goes into the combine and absolutely blows it up, I think you'll see somebody maybe make a move on that and uh, jump on that guy. Personally, I don't think most of these guys would be top 10 in most classes, but you might see an elevation because of the uh, lack of defense in this class. Other interesting picks, Seattle Seahawks at 22 with quarterback J.J. McCarthy, who may or may not be in the draft. That's something we mm -hmm. talked about. And then the, the question from Kyle about Cooper DeGene, cornerback goes to Houston, uh, defensive back out of Iowa. Number 24 is where he ends up getting picked. Uh, some interior linemen towards the end. Uh, let me see if there's any here that really jump out is is interesting to me. And after that, there's some, you know, I wouldn't say borderline names. He actually did a round couple on round two. Teams that um, didn't have first round picks. Yeah. So, um, but there is where uh, where he ends up, Cooper DeGene, who's coming off an injury. And hopefully he'll be, want to see him compete in, in all the drills. But I have a feeling that we'll see him in his pro day is where he starts putting together his his time. But yes, I think, Chop, I think the Falcons fans would be pretty happy with Chop Robinson and a corner for the Denver Broncos is something that we have said makes a lot of sense. I, Scott, I know we want to get out of here. I have a few things here. There's three topics, I guess, on this. Um, number one, Cooper DeGene. He only had a broken tibia. Uh, so that's typically like a four week uh, injury, five week. And I four think to if, six, yep. four to six, if, uh, if Iowa was playing in the college football playoff, ha, everyone laugh with me. Um, then, uh, sorry, I didn't make you want to spit out your drink. Um, that, uh, I think Cooper actually might be back in time to do some stuff there, but because it's a, let's call it what it is. A lot of these bowl games exhibition. are exhibitions these mm -hmm. days. Um, there's no, he shouldn't play. Nope. He sh that's, I can't believe Sam, uh, Sam Laporta played last year for Iowa. Don't it's an exhibition. You, nobody cares if you play the kibbles and bits bowl versus Kentucky, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it's stupid. Um, kibbles but and uh, bits. kibbles yeah. and bits. gotta get me some kibbles and bits. God, it's just every, between every single play they're playing that jingle. Uh, but uh did is you that see really the, wait? Is that really a bowl? No, I just made it. Oh, up. okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, what? Did like, you see that? There's a pop tart bowl, and the the pop tart mascot is actually edible this year. God, there's too many bowl America. games. America, don't watch them. Nobody's forcing <laughs> yeah, you to watch yeah. them. 
And you know what? As long as people are paying for them, let the kids go. Who cares? And also people are watching them, Scott. That's that's the thing. Advertiser paying for the dollars too to play between them. But I digress. Cooper DeGene, I think that hopefully he's back and uh, hopefully he uh, for the combine. And I think he's going to test really well. Um, He's actually a really good athlete. Everybody I feel like always underrates these Iowa athletes. And you see him at the combine and it's like, wait a second. Jack Campbell ran what? He's just a big, you know, corn-fed Iowa guy. It's like, well, they train the hell out of these guys, and they do a really good job with the metrics. So don't be surprised if Cooper has awesome testing and maybe pushes himself up into the top 15 conversation. Um, I want to shout out again Nate Nate Tice on this, but he was talking about it, and he said that uh, as far as versatility, physicality, and athleticism, Cooper DeGene is the most Jalen Ramsey-like player he's seen since Jalen Ramsey. Now, I don't think that means that he's going to be as good of a boundary corner. Otherwise, he'd be talked about a lot higher. But Jalen played safety at his last year at uh, Florida State. So uh, I think there's a lot of versatility there with what you want to do. And you, we talked about Bowers being a chess piece matchup guy. I think Cooper DeGene, safety, boundary corner, slot, box. Um, sometimes it's better in theory than in reality, but because of how smart DeGene is and how good of a tackler he is as well, I think it is actually possible. When um, I wrote him up uh, recently, I called him a defensive back. I didn't just yes. say corner or, you know, I said defensive back, DB. Yep. Yes. So keep an eye out for him. I think he's going to test really well um, as well. So uh, Chop Robinson did want to touch on him as well. I think Chop is an excellent, true speed rusher. Is that what Nielsen is going to want? Uh, considering what I've seen a lot from him is that he's looking for pocket crunchers, so to speak, with a little bit more size and obviously inherited differently. I'm talking more about like when he was with the Saints for a bit and how they were able to build the team versus what you inherit. Um, so I wonder if a, well, Yes, Atlanta needs pass rush, but I wonder if a Jared Verse or Leatu Latu um, would be a better scheme fit for them. Now, at the end of the day, get good players, figure it out. If you have a good pass rusher, you know, if he's a good enough pass rusher, just figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. But I think ideally for them, I think they would prefer a Leatu Latu, a Dallas Turner, or a uh, Jared Verse, just from a the power crunching ability to rush forward while still being disciplined in your gaps and i just wonder with the atlanta falcons you know they they don't have a speed guy so i don't know if they are in, interested or not lorenzo carter was gonna be that guy but i don't, I don't know he's true as you know a sub four five speed yeah. guy off the edge we just saw them draft so many specific type of players with the saints that i wonder if there yeah. is a type and uh, granted was how much was nielsen making the decision on what they're oh, trying to hit on the going. cam jordan i can get a cam yeah. jordan i'm i'm good i'm good if i can get one of those guys or but calais even, campbell like, in his prime yeah even uh you know they take a lot of those like defensive end defensive tackle tweener types right like you had uh marcus davenport super lengthy pain in the dirt guy uh you have a uh, gosh, it was a Peyton Turner, you know, the really long, big edge rusher type. So I'm not sure if, you know, Chop Robinson, who's much more of that three, four outside linebacker type is what they would hunt, but you need edge. And that, I think that was the last one available uh, for the Falcons. And uh, yeah, Chris comes in and says, I'm kind of hoping versus available for the Falcons. Certainly possible. I think uh, the most refined developed pass rusher in this class is Leatu Latu. And uh, he is pretty awesome. The medicals are going to be absolutely huge for him. Tyreek Johnson coming in and says thoughts on trading Kyle Pitts during the draft. This is what I want to close on Nick. I want to close on this one. I did want to say one more thing about uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. I see comments in here. I also, um, having gone back and watched. Told you Nick was feeling better. (laughs) Two Alabama games that I've watched. Um, here recently with the defense, I watched him versus LSU and I watched him versus Texas. I need to do more. It's not a complete sample size, but I did come away liking the cornerback wearing number three 
Terion Arnold, who Dane has going number 13, more over the cornerback who was wearing number one in Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid McKinstry, Alabama, likes to run a lot of press bail technique, and uh, I think he is physical. Kool-Aid this is. He is physical in the, the press aspect of playing football, but Scott, this guy... I saw him in the LSU game where he, instead of, you know, finishing a tackle because he had his guys already kind of there but not finished yet, he ducks out of bounds, you know, that kind of thing. And that's like a red flag, like especially in today's NFL, I need you to come down and freaking hit if you are playing in the secondary. Uh, And I did not see a physical player. And I went back, you know, talking to some people, and apparently that Kentucky game also had some missed tackle issues as well. So I don't, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is not going to be for me personally, because I want somebody who's aggressive and physical and wants to hit. And I don't see that with McKinstry based on two game sample size. I'm not finished yet, uh, but we will see uh, right now. And uh, thoughts about trading Kyle Pitts during the draft. I think if it happens, it probably happens before the draft. If you are trading Kyle Pitts, but I could see it in a move where you are aggressive to move up for something. It's just if the Falcons keep winning guys. I don't know how you could see that happening uh, as far as trading up in the range to get a quarterback. We'll see what happens with Jaden Daniels. We didn't even toss out Carson Beck today as well, who might be somebody worth keeping an eye on. Uh, but uh, yeah, Pitts could be traded for sure. My thoughts about trading Kyle Pitts during the draft or, you know, up leading to the draft. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, basically in order to get more picks for this draft or something along those lines, I would float the idea out there. If I was Terry Fontenot, I would also be looking to, I would more than likely pick up his fifth year option just to give me a, it's going to be about $15 million is his fifth year option. It's going to be a pretty good chunk of change. Um, But that gives me some advantage, some leverage if I want to then try and trade him. I feel like unless something turns around here in the next few, well, there's only six games left that you're running his value into the ground. That said, he's still you know, a freak of an athlete. He's still just 23 years old, a young 23. He just turned 23. The problem is you're burning through your leverage with him because you're now going to be into year four of his contract, then have to decide on his, on his fifth year option. And then if you want to extend him or not, what would he take or franchise him, which would be 20, $25 million, which he certainly hasn't earned that you're running out of options on what you can do with him that I would float it out there. I would absolutely start saying, Hey, someone want to come in with a first round pick. I'm listening. Mm -hmm. It's, it was, it wasn't the right time to take Kyle Pitts. Um, I'll stand by that for as long as I live. I would approach him with a contract extension, a reasonable amount because he's not playing himself into a $20 million range and see if I can get something back on him the return on investment and then put maybe options in there, maybe a short, a two-year extension, Nick. And then let's, then let's talk. Let's, let's do a two-year and play yourself in. Part of this has to do with is, is Arthur Smith even going to still be there next year? Terry Fontenot will. He's the one that picked him and Arthur Smith are the one that picked her, uh, Kyle Pitts at number four. I don't think they'd be willing to pull the plug on him as a 23 year old freak of an athlete after three years. Yeah, pro- probably not. Um, yeah, we will. Uh, he's so talented and so young still. I just, I'd be really apprehensive to move on from him. I know, uh, but again, you, you've got those. You, you call them coach killers. You know, when yeah. you've got a guy out there who just look, he's got every single physical tool you could possibly ever want, but not the production to match it. I'm gonna be the one that unlocks Kyle Pitts. Maybe, maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, Matt Ryan for, you know, well, he was really good when he had Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's really a quarterback. He, he's made a lot of guys a lot of money. I think he got a second round pick and a big contract for Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. Um, Russell Gage. He, he was a really good quarterback. Yeah. Kyle Pitts. He's, he's playing his way out of any value for the Atlanta Falcons right now. Do you try and cash in or do you hope that you can recoup that value before you do not have his contract rights any longer? And we're going to bring it full circle here, Scott. Um, a team that was really interested in moving up for pits in that draft and somebody who might be aggressive and looking for that kind of move ring ring. Hey, this is a uh, Jerry Jones and the Dallas, say Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. Are you uh, interested in moving Kyle Pitts? We have a uh, two, a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year. And we'll even toss in, you know, we'll give you a fourth if you send back a fifth and Trey Lance and Trey Lance. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? We'll send you um, Trey Lance in a second for Kyle Pitts. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. We'll see what happens there, but uh, that would There's be a... so many intriguing storylines heading into mm-hmm. this offseason with the quarterbacks, yeah. with the finances that things have happened, yep. with Kyle Pitts and the Atlanta Falcons, with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Kirk Cousins. How all that stuff trickles down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be yep. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it will be really interesting uh, to see. And uh, I don't know. Now I'm picturing Kyle Pitts in that uh, offense with uh, CD Lamb as well, who's playing awesome. They needed somebody more, a little more explosive, pure speed on the outside, but uh, there's some options uh, out there as well. So uh, yeah, it should be pretty fun. Um, yeah, shout out to Dane Brugler again for uh, providing the content we could riff on uh, today. Uh, does a great job. Make sure you're checking him out over on the Athletic. Uh, and when the Beast comes out, it's probably the single best of single best written content you'll ever have for the draft. I mean, maybe even football content yeah, for the entire year. Real. Yeah, I mean, it's it is he probably does like 500 players or something. So like most of them are undrafted guys that you see on there. So it's incredible. Uh, so shout out to Dane Brugler and uh, happy Friday, everyone. Enjoy conference weeks and uh, should be a good week of NFL games. Yep. Want to say a special thanks as we get out of here, as we've gone almost 80 minutes to uh, Rattlesnake Master on YouTube, mm-hmm. Michael Ronquillo on YouTube with the Super Chats and Lawrence Rivera coming in with the stars and the support for the show on Facebook. Thanks to all of y'all for being here. Leave us a comment afterwards. There's a lot we talked about. If you want to have any clarifications, corrections, discussions, we're all ears. Uh, Keep it respectful and we'll, we'll respond back um, as you watch this. Cause we get a lot of, a lot of uh, views after the fact. In fact, most of them come after the fact. So want to thank everybody for being here. It's going to be a hell of a weekend of football Yeah. between college stuff. Keep your eye on the NFL draft guys that are playing the playoff implications that are happening. We will be back on Monday on these channels to talk uh, Atlanta Falcons podcast and Broncos for breakfast. And we always stir in some NFL draft talk as well. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, It means a lot to us. I hope you'll have a hell of a football weekend. See you all on Monday.